This episode is brought to you by livingrelief.com, a Wolfpack-owned business that is your source for Delta-8, CBD, THCV, gummies, tinctures, chocolates, all North Carolina-based quality products that can help with sleep, anxiety, pain, and countless other medical benefits. Highly recommend checking these guys out. Their stuff is really good. And if you use code REDWHITE20, you get 20% off your first order. That's REDWHITE20. LivingRelief.com. Living, R-E-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. Apes that ain't fools. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with my man, Zach. Zach, how are you doing? Doing well. Can't complain. Ready for Thursday. Counting them down. It is game week, and I am amped up. I was excited to watch college football this past weekend. Did you watch any of the games? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I started off, you know, of course, I think everybody was checking out, um, Illinois, Nebraska. Um, you know, everybody was just geared up for that. And I'm just surprisingly shocked at how bad Nebraska's quarterback is. Yeah. He's terrible. (laughs) And the fact that they don't have anybody, which is, is to me, it's it's, it's wild. It's Nebraska. And so us, we were talking about this in the chat this week or this past weekend. And I was Mm -hmm. like, where did, where is Scott Frost recruited? For Nebraska, and he's been basically in the twenties. And then I'm listening to another uh, podcast that cover three or somebody. They're talking about how he, yeah, he recruited all those guys, but none of them stuck around. He lost an absurd number of four stars from his teams or from his recruiting classes, and they just have they have nobody. And that was an embarrassment to lose that game. I mean, there is no way that he makes it through October, in my opinion. I think he is he is done. Yeah, from what I'm reading, there's going to be some money being exchanged around in the chat um, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but yeah, and and hey, shout out to uh, Calvin Hart Jr. Right, he uh he 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 looked stout. Big Ten Player stout. of the Week, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, he looked good. Yeah, he looked good. He he looked good here. Right. He he flashed the times mm-hmm. he got to play. He was reliable. The problem was he was just absolutely buried on the depth chart. He wasn't going to play. Yeah. And I'm glad he found a home. I'm a, like I pull for all these guys when they leave. Like I don't have any ill will. I want them to do well. <clears throat> and seeing them go somewhere, seeing our backups go somewhere and start, like somewhere in the Big Ten and start, mm-hmm. to me that makes me feel a little better about the direction of the program. And, and I'm probably thinking too much into it. But you know, if you compare that to where – Matt McKay ended up Montana State or Bailey Hockman, Middle Tennessee State, and some of these other guys. You feel a little better when a guy can go to a Big Ten school and start and have an impact and, you know, like I said, be the player of the week. Okay. That's, that's, for me, it makes me feel pretty good. That's like, that's one area we know that the staff is, is getting right is the linebacker. That linebacker group is deep for, for days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's, 
Might be a little rough on the Alliance. They keep taking our uh, depth chart subs and, you know, making them player of the week in the Big Ten. But, you know. I don't know if you read my the piece I put, put out last week, uh, Friday before this game. I had a, a random meandering thought. And the fact that Nebraska lost this game and the way they lost it with mental mistakes and errors. And my thought was – would Dave Doran be a fit at Nebraska? What do you think about that? So, top of the head, I mean, yes. Um, you know, I, I, obviously NC State's not going to be able to compete with Nebraska money. Um, and, and, yeah, because to me, you know, you think kind of those Midwest schools like that, the, the ones that are not necessarily the flashy showy, you know, I consider Oklahoma flashy showy, yeah. Oklahoma State flashy showy. Um, you know, Nebraska, you still, when you think about Nebraska, you still think, you know, pound, pound the ball, run the ball between the tackles. You, right. you just kind of think, or at least that's where my mind goes. And, um, especially after watching their quarterback, so, so watching Martinez on Saturday. Um, but you know, and, and Dave kind of has that characteristic about yeah. him, you know, I, I think if you gave Doran the option to sit here and say, you know, you can, you can run for 150 to 200 every game or you can throw for 350 dave's going to choose to yeah, run yeah i think so you know that's just yeah. yeah it's just just his personality and there's nothing wrong with that um and so i could see him being a good fit in that in that you know in that area i don't know if he'll get that attention but to me that just feels like the perfect fit like it just it, for what they need they need somebody to stabilize it build that program back to mm-hmm. some sort of relevant foundation the Midwest connections. Like, I don't know who would voluntarily yeah. go and live in Nebraska, but yeah. there's a lot of money and, you know, the clock resetting and all these things. I don't know. I just had this weird thought that, like, if Nebraska was really paying attention and they want to get mm-hmm. back to winning, you know, eight, nine games a year, I don't know. Dave Dorn would be on the short list if I'm, they'll probably hire some yeah. Nebraska alum or something like that, you know, what they do. But, I don't know, man. Dave well, Dave feels like it, a, a good fit there. Isn't he? Isn't Dave? He's from Kansas. He's from Kansas, right? correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, he's he's familiar, and yeah, you know, he's he's been around out there. So, you know, it would not surprise me for for should if Scott Frost was to get canned, would would they? You know, it would not surprise me to see Doran's name pop up on Nebraska's radar, especially if Dave has a good year this year. You know, if he if oh, they yeah. go nine and three, oh, ten yeah. and two, and you know something along those lines, mm-hmm. I think that would be a that would would feel like a good fit. Not saying that I want it to happen or I don't want it to happen, yeah. but it feels like if Nebraska is paying attention, that's probably something that is gonna that would fit their culture and what they're trying to do. And I think they would love him, and he would make them immediately better than what they are now. No, I agree. It just, you know, the fan base out there seems to be, it seems that Dave and that fan base would, would mesh really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just the, just the personality type styles and, right. you know, that, that, that type deal. It was, I saw, there's this, this Twitter account that I found today and it's, it's called message board, something rather geniuses or something like that. And they just post screenshots of uh, fan message boards. And one of them was, 
Nebraska fans from their message board saying they should hire Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> and I was like, y'all are <laughs> lunatics, man. If But, again, yeah. if they're thinking Jim Harbaugh, like Dave yeah, Jordan's, like, a, they're very similar in what they're trying to do, and except for Dave's not a jackass. Yeah, I don't know why you would. I mean, if you're going to dream and you're going to put somebody as, like, your 1A, I don't know why. First <laughs> off, I just don't know why it would be Harbaugh. Right. I mean, to each his own, I guess, but I think I'd shoot for somebody a little, little bit, you know, a little bit better track record than that so far. Seriously. But that's just me. Seriously, it's fascinating to me. But I'm so excited to have college football back and be able to talk about these dumbass things because I think mm-hmm. that's what's all what it's all about. What's so interesting to me, watching these games that have no bearing on anything for the Wolfpack, but it's entertainment, and then the stories that go on behind them. Uh, to me, it's just it's fascinating, and I'm just, I was so amped to have college football back this past weekend, and this week's gonna be well. Not only go ahead, yeah, I mean, not only that, but uh, so you know, high school football, ESPN was you know pumping that out. Speaking of, did you have you heard about this the team that IMG played? No, on Sunday, Mm-mm. you haven't heard this story no. yet. So they played a team, IMG, you know, probably top three schools in the country right. in football. Played a team on ESPN on Sunday. I think it was called Bishop Sycamore or Sycamore Bishop School. It's a school out of Ohio. Uh-huh. It is an online school that last year went zero and six. Was outscored like two hundred and twenty-seven to forty-two. Holy. Yeah, and somehow they convinced ESPN. They promoted themselves and said they had D one athletes on the team that were getting recruited. All this stuff. ESPN picked it up, put them against IMG, and IMG just, I think, beat them like 58 to nothing. <laughs> and, and like, in the second quarter, the announcers are sitting there, and they're like, um, so we can't find anything about this school, about this coach. Uh, and now it's almost a safety concern because we're scared that these guys are just going to kill. We're scared that IMG That's is just going to, like – That's amazing. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, it is, it is – it's become – I saw it today, and it's starting to take off a little bit now. But evidently, they just duped ESPN – into believing that they were, you know, big time Ohio football and they played IMG. That's amazing. That's amazing. Worked. That's like yeah. that's, that's the story of my favorite recruiting story is the ones the guy like made up a made up a player and mm. put up that he had a bunch of offers, like a Twitter account, and he started getting offers. <laughs> it was like this is a couple of years ago. He got thirty or so offers from coaches like, Oh yeah, we really like your film. Like come, you know, come play with us. Yeah. Like just complete nonsense for a kid that didn't exist. They just made it up out of thin air. Which is wild, but that that's yeah, that's that's pretty good. That, that, I mean, have you ever seen the uh, speak just random recruiting things? Have you ever seen the kid? He made a recruiting video and he was he was like he never played. Oh yeah, like it was the highlights of the. He's just standing on the sidelines yeah. and he puts the highlighted circle around himself every play. That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, that, kid, that was good. That's that's what's all about, man. That's fun. That's that's the fun stuff. That's the fun stories. Absolutely. Getting into Wolfpack plays USF this week. We'll have a bunch of stuff on the site. I'm doing a bunch of podcasts with some USF guys. I hit up a bunch of podcasters, and they all responded to me eventually. (laughs) One didn't respond, so I hit another (laughs) one up, and then the other one would respond. So I'm going to have a bunch of guys lined up. We're going to see how it's going to work out. But we'll we'll, we'll know everything about USF by the time this week's over. But yeah, you, you need a USF roundtable like we did. Uh, <laughs> for, for I should I should get them all on at once. Like, hey, you guys all know each other, probably. Like, uh, yeah, there you they'll go. probably hate each other, but 
it's, it's good for the people. So what I want to, what a, one of the things I want to talk about was is is a storyline, something that we don't get a whole lot, we don't get a chance to talk about like during game week. But what what's something that you are interested in seeing or watching or seeing how it unfolds? Like, what is the storyline to you that's interesting? Not just about this game, but about the year. What's what's on you? What's the top of your list there? Mm. Just in regards to, to NC State or anything, um, I don't, anything really. That's 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 well, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I, I want to see the, our linebackers and and how this season goes because I'm. I'm fully expecting, as I said on the round table, I think our defense is going to be really, really stout. Um, and I'm, and, and I think everything's going to revolve around our three core linebackers. And I'm excited to see just kind of everybody on that defense feed off each other. Um, that's, and I, 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 that's probably not much of a storyline, but with Isaiah in the middle, you know, Peyton on one side and Drake on the other, it's going to, to me, it takes me back to what was it the year after Rivers left? Yeah. Um, when when our defense was just you know I, I get that feeling <laughs> about 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 our defense where you know Rivers senior year we couldn't stop anybody and then the next year after Rivers was gone we couldn't score you know and that's just kind of that, how it went. But that's the greatest you know. Wolfpack what if scenario, right? If those teams, mm-hmm. two teams have overlapped by one year, we would have been unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like unstoppable. Yeah, I agree. And um, I'd say you know, I, I, one player that really has intrigued me, just based on the readings, based on the clippings and stuff like that. I want to see Julian Gray. Mm-hmm. I want to see how he. he Doran even kind of hinted at it in his press conference today, talking about you know he's young, he's going to see some snaps, but you guys should expect to see him more as the year progresses. And you know, Dave is normally pretty conservative conservative with his yeah. remarks and if doran's dropping nuggets like that you know that kind of sent my that, that sent my you know antennas up right there the fact that he said expect to see him more throughout the year you know and so I, I'm, I'm excited to see him because our wide receiver room is stacked and you know here he yeah. comes as a freshman and they're talking about getting him all this playing time i'm excited to see that going back to the defense for a second i, I think it's interesting mm-hmm. though because this lot like you said this this linebacker crew is deep and they are talented. And I'd say last year they were pretty good. They weren't great. They had their mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how this the rest of the team how they grew. Like are they gonna get are they gonna live up to the talent that they have? And I think they will because I think they have four guys now who are experienced and now they're used to playing together. But not only that, is that how much pressure is that going to is the secondary being capable because i think the secondary is going to be very capable going to take off of the linebackers is it going to let them play more freely right Mm -hmm. and creating disruption and i think that's what tony gibson and dave have emphasized this offseason in every one of their press conferences even today in dave's press conference and tony gibson on wolfpack one was just we need to be disruptive. We need to make plays. We need, you know, those. That's what they're emphasizing, and I'm. I think that the secondary that's going to be able to hold their own is going to benefit. That's going to benefit the linebackers and that you know that that up front that D line, just from oh, yeah. being able to you know create a little you know create pres- pressure and disruption. 
So I, I agree. I, I want to see it all come together. And I feel like they've had the pieces here or there. And last year they had pieces. Maybe they're a little inexperienced and some depth issues. But, man, this year just really feels like that defense could be what holds this off holds this team together. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you one other thing, Evan, is is another like storyline is the last couple of years it seems as if we have been bitten early and been bitten hard by the injury bug. Yeah. And let's, you know, if if we can stay healthy, relatively healthy, I mean people are gonna get hurt. That's football. But if you can stay relatively healthy, you know, this year, in my opinion, has a, it's a chance for to be a really special year um, for state, you know, and and um, everybody's talking about the schedule and all this stuff, and I just, you know, last year everybody talked about the schedule. Oh, you got you know ten ACC games, yada yada yada. So what? Yeah. So what? I mean, wh- whoever's on your schedule, who's on your schedule? You know, and you got to play them, and you. You know, I just the whole aspect of accept, I, and I always go back to Debbie Yao accepting that re- refuse to accept the status quo, and that's yep. that is so spot on. You know, you can't, in my opinion, you just, you can't just make excuses because oh, you got such and such on your schedule, you got such and such on your schedule, and you know, beat them, okay? Yep, beat them. You know, it's it's that simple. I guarantee you, I don't care who's on the schedule. You know, Peyton Wilson, Tanner Engel, Leary. Omeka, all the, they're not stepping on the field like, oh man, we got we got a rough rough day today. Right? No, they're going out there with that mindset. It's a killer mentality, and as an athlete, you have to have that, and they have that, you know. And so, I just I, I think that everybody talking about the schedule and getting you know wrapped around that. No, no, I don't buy that. I, I agree with you, and I wasn't going to open that can of worms, but eight and <laughs> eight and four has been the the topic of the day today. Because, mm-hmm. and I, I listened to the IPS pod, and I, I love James, but what he said today is state should be thrilled with eight and four. And I've, I was listening to this. Th- thrilled? Thrilled. That's what he said. State should be thrilled to go eight and four. And I almost drove my mower into a tree because I was just like, that's ridiculous. This, this is, and this, that is the mentality that we have to get past. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's I mean, you, no you, yeah there's no problem wanting more. And I put that the poll out on Twitter today, and it started off kind of kind of scared me. A lot of people, it was it was would you be happy with eight and four? And for a while there was fifty fifty, and I'm like, man, this is how are people <laughs> settling or going to be happy with eight and four? And I got some scenarios and whatever, but it just none of it it didn't jive like. You don't want to go eight and four. Like that should be at this point for your best team, for a team that Dave Doran himself is calling special. To go eight and four would be a disappointment. Like it wouldn't be I, awful, I but it would be a big disappointment to me. I mean, I, I agree because if you go eight and four, and you lose to these teams that everybody says you know, oh, they're top twenty, top fifteen, whatever, and you're and you're losing. Your team's not special, right? You know, you're to me it goes. You're kind of canceling yourself out there. Um, you know, you can't say this team's special and or has a chance to be. Spe- I mean, I guess everybody, every team has a chance to be special, but this team's special. This is his best team, and then sit there and say, you know, that 
they they're they're, they're not expected to win this game. Right. Well, then they're not special. Right. You know, you, to me that that doesn't that doesn't jive. You know, there's you know in the round table I, I said we're going eleven one. And and I I'll stand by that now, you know, and and I may look like a fool, um, so be it. But you know, to me, you look at the talent across the board. You got talent. You got quality depth. You know, I'm not on the Carolina bandwagon at all. Um, you know, I, I know how. Let's give the. I mean, Howell's a, a good quarterback. They've got talent. They do, but I'm not on that bandwagon of. You know, they're just going to run through the coastal. They're going to run the ACC. They're here to stay. I'm just not on that. Um, you know, and then Miami, I have questions about, you know, King and, and whatnot. But the, these these programs that everybody that are on our schedule this year, that everybody is questioning and sitting here saying state should be, you know, state should be lucky to win that game. I'm expecting a loss in that game. Then how can you say we're special? If you're expecting to lose games, if you're expecting to lose more than two games, I would say, you know, a special season for NC State is 9, 10, 11 wins. 8 and 4 is not special. So how can you say this is a special team but then expect eight wins? Doesn't add up. I agree. And I and the, the argument was for that IPS said and other people have said is the schedule, this it's a difficult schedule. All right. Let's 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 break it down a little bit. If you have your difficult teams being Clemson, Carolina, Miami, right? Those are going to be your only three ranked teams as of mm-hmm. now, right? Nobody else is even close at this point. Okay. So even if you lose those three games, you're nine and three. Mm-hmm. But everybody is worried about at Wake, at BC, at Mississippi State. And I get the historical concerns there. Mm hmm. Right, we haven't always performed. We haven't always performed well in Winston Salem, and that's an understatement. I get it, <laughs> but that has no impact on this year. And to me, it's I don't I don't base my predictions or whatever you want to call them on what has happened in the past, so to speak. And maybe I should. Maybe I should be more. Uh, reserve there, but my optimism is founded in facts that this, this team is good. This team has all the pieces that it needs, and it should be better than these teams. You should be a better program than Boston College in year two of Jeff Halfley. Mm-hmm. You should be a better program than Wake Forest. It just in general, like it, it, it shouldn't be a contest. Uh, you, put, you you have more resources. You put more t- more into it. You have a bigger fan base. So I, I understand. The perspective, but I don't think it's necessarily rational. Yeah, and so like on the roundtable, my one loss that I predicted was, or that I'm thinking, is at Boston College. Right. Now, that's not that's not to sit here and say that I think Boston College is a better program, has more talent, anything like that. But, you know, sure, Syracuse, it can, it can yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and and just the, 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 I just can't wrap my mind around sitting here saying, you know, this team's special. This team's got this. They've got the depth. They've got this. Yeah, we're, we're, we should be happy with eight and four. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, you can think that we might have a ch- – we might lose one of those games. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly reasonable. But to be happy with going eight and four, I think there's a difference there. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between losing one of those games – 
or predicting, hey, all right, you know, it's not the likelihood of State going on the road and winning all of these games is not high. Like I get mm-hmm. that. Those the, that's a reasonable expectation. It's winning on the road is hard. But to be happy with it is a different story. And I don't think I don't I don't understand why people would say they'd be happy with eight and four. And I think that's a point where you need to raise your expectations. And I think mm-hmm. that's okay to raise your expectations. I think to me that's a credit to Dave Dorn. I think he's done a good enough job that eight wins should be the ex- minimum expectation, or you know, on a regular basis, should be pretty close to the minimum. Not, yeah, I mean, I that agree. eight and four is a you know with your best team is is okay. I just, I don't know, man. I can rant on this for a while. I, th- I think it's a very. I think fans need to elevate their expectations. And I think that's okay. And it's not an expectation like in the past, just blindly saying, hey, we're going to be great this year. We're going to win it all. Like, I wouldn't do that. Like, I think this team is generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think my expectations are going to adjust with them. Uh, and I mean, I just, you go back to previous years, and I don't know, and, and, you call me a fanboy, a homer, you know, all the listeners, whatever. But when Leary came in last year, or when Leary started against Pitt, and you watched that performance, he just, you know, I, you hear coaches when they're talking about recruiting players or their senior quarterbacks or whoever it is, they, they call it the it factor. You know, they, that it, that intangible. And, you know, Rivers had it. Russell Wilson had it. I, I never really truly felt like Mike Glennon had it. I felt like yeah. Br- Brissett had it a little bit. Um, you know, you just going, I'm just going back in my mind, but I can tell you, you know, going back through the years when rivers and Wilson stepped on the field, I never was like, damn, we're going to get smoked today. or right. We're going to get beat. You know, you, right. you knew you had a, a, at least, you know, a chance. And, after watching Leary at Pitt last year and watching how everybody kind of responded and everything, you know, I was I was excited for for State Carolina last year, and then you know when he went down against Duke, that kind of just changed the whole the whole tide. And and you know you listen to IPS, and James you know talks about he would love to have seen what Leary would have done against you know the the back half of that schedule last year. Okay, well we got we got twelve games right here coming up, you know right. and. and I just I am a I'm a big Leary fan, you know, and I may be proven I may get proven wrong, but he to me he has that it factor. He's tough. He's got a cannon, you know, and he he makes makes throws that not a lot of people can make because of his 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 arm strength, you know. Right. And um and I I think I think he's going to show off a little bit this year. He's got everything he needs around him. So mm-hmm. one of the, one of the storylines that I want, that I'm interested to see is how this offensive line comes together. I think they've got the potential to be good. What's hurt them in the past has been depth and injuries, right? So we've lost, you know, Riley and McKay last year and you know, some young guys had to step in and play ahead before they were ready. But I think this year we might have a bit more depth there. We might have a couple capable backups that if somebody goes down, but that to me is going to dictate how effective this offense is because there's no questions at running back. There's no questions at wide receiver. There's no questions at quarterback. Uh, like I think Leary's good enough. He's going to make some mistakes. I think he 
you almost expect that. At least I expect it because he's a bit more aggressive than we've mm-hmm. had in the past. He's definitely more aggressive than Finley and some of these other guys. So he's going to probably take some throws and some chances that maybe he shouldn't. It might go his way. It might not. But I think the upside is there that the only real question I have is can the offensive line protect? Can they open some holes and can they pass block for him? That to me is going to be the biggest key to this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would agree with that um, on the offensive side of the ball, and we'll probably with the team as a whole. You know, can the yeah. O line hold up because of the pieces that are around Leary and those and the pieces that are backing up those pieces are still damn good. You know, it's it's he's he's got he's got a lot of weapons. You know, and so. I think throughout the season you're going to see different players step up in different games. Um, you right. know, I would not be surprised to see you know Ameko lead in receiving yards one game, then Thayer, then Devin. You know, then all of a sudden Julian Gray pops up in game four, and here and all, you know, oh damn, you got Porter Rooks too. You know, yeah. and I mean, just so on and so forth. And you know, it's it, he's got a stable back there with him. You know. It's just a matter of can they can they open up the barn door and let them go. It's going to be interesting to see how the rotations go, and that to me is one of the, of the other things that's been on my like watch list is mm-hmm. how do they rotate the running backs, like how do they rotate the wide receivers, and the reason I'm interested in that is because I think at times they didn't do positional rotations. I think Will and I talked about this a little bit last week where. And I believe it was the Wake Forest game, and you needed a you had a critical series. You need to keep the ball moving, to chew the clock, and you're running up the middle, and you have your smallest running back in there. Uh-huh, you have Jordan uh-huh. Houston in there. Like uh-huh. it was clearly a planned rotation, and I don't know if the other guys were hurt or whatnot, but they do that a lot, right? And we've seen that. Like, why is this guy in there? Why is you know X not in there? Why is Y not in there? I want to see them be more situation, situationally aware. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's a coaching philosophy from Dave or is that is required his assistants to be more aggressive. I'm not sure what what it is there, but I want your best players on the field at the critical times. Right. Uh, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with that because I remember I was, I was down at the beach watching the state weight game last year and you know we're trying to chew clock and – and we got Houston in, and that's not a knock on Houston because I think Houston, you know, serves serves purpose and, and and can hold serve in a lot of situations. But when we're trying to, you know, chew clock and and kind of pound yards on the ground, I don't understand why you want your, you know, light guy, you know, running halfback dives. Right. You're you're you're, right. you're you know, you want somebody with some meat on them, you know, to yeah. to kind of chew up those yards and and whatnot. And I will say this is kind of jumping subjects here. One thing from Dave's press conference today that I that I will say I do not like is uh, Bam being on kickoff return. I that's another one. That's interesting. Yeah, I, we have too many weapons, in my opinion. And, and you know, Bam is a weapon. That's not to take anything away from Bam. It's actually a compliment to Bam that you know. I mean, let's go back to Marshall two years ago. You know, C.J. Riley was you know. Was he comatose on the field on the kickoff return? You know, and then he <laughs> he was out for two weeks, and you know, yeah. Bam is by far our best running back. That's not that's not to take anything away from Ricky or Jordan, but 
you know, he, he's our best running back, and all of a sudden we get him smoked on a kickoff return. You know, I mean, I just I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Remember when Virginia Tech was good, like mm-hmm. really good, and they were they were winning? And you talking about David was, Wilson? No, just talking about no Beamer Ball, right? Oh, okay. Everybody was talking about Beamer Ball, right? And his concept was you put special teams is a third of the game. It's a unit. You put your best players on special teams. Mm-hmm. And I agree, I agree with that. I think you got to get your best players in the game. I, I agree. I don't want Bam hurt, but I'm also, I want Bam with as many touches as possible. If he's not going to get them during the game, get the ball in his hands in the kickoff. He doesn't have to take them all back, but he's just got to be able to recognize the opportunity and then go. Because I, he's showed, he showed us against Miami that, mm-hmm. He's got that. He's got that decision making, and he's got that ability to change the game. And so I'm okay with him getting more touches and getting them any way you can get them to him. Because I think this offense has so many good players that it's going to be difficult for them to maximize everybody all the time. Yeah. And so use them when you can. That's my that's my thought process. I, I don't want him to get hurt by all means, but I think the the risk of getting hurt is outweighed by the upside of getting him the ball more often. Yeah, and I agree. So I guess I should have clarified with the fact that Bam not being on kickoff return is kind of based on the fact that we're going to feed him the ball a little bit more on offense. Yeah, because I, I agree with you. Yeah. Bam needs touches. I mean the the balance. The difficulty that pe- the you know defenses have bringing him down. Yep. I mean, he, he's a special player. So he needs he needs touches. But you know, can you not also say that about there? You know, that, that that's another storyline. You know, how are we going to spread the ball? You know, how yeah. how, how how are you going to spread the ball to all these weapons? And and you know, I'm just I would hate to see Bam return in the second half of kickoff. You know, against uh, what Furman or something? You know, who 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 do we play the fourth game? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Louisiana Tech or Furman? I don't remember. Which yeah, one you know, and and get a knee taken out. You know, I mean that that would that's gonna. I will tell you this: that will stir up a lot of state fans. You know, as to why you're, you know, your best running backs back there receiving kicks, but then you have you know your viewpoint on it. You got to get your best player or you know one of your best players more touches. And so, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's it maybe, yeah. and so that's, that's, a, that's a good transition because one of the other things that I'm interested in is can we blow somebody out and can <laughs> we get, well, yeah, well, the two reasons there, one, because we don't do it, but two is I want us to finally get our young guys in the games or you can play them four games this year or, you know, that's the, been the rule for a while now you can play them four games. And I think this goes all the way back to Chuck. It's not just a Dave thing, but Chuck didn't do it either. Chuck didn't get his young guys on the field enough. Had he put in who was a, who was a who followed field Davis, Jay Davis, or yeah. Marcus Stone? Had he put in one of those guys in garbage time, they would have realized, hey, we probably need to find another option, right? Right. And I think I want to see us blow the doors off somebody so that. Bam is not out there returning kicks against Furman mm-hmm. because then you have Julian Gray or you have 
Demi Sumo or one of these other guys out there returning kicks. Those are the guys that I want to see out there returning kicks, like in that situation. Right. And so, yeah, go ahead. I want to see us. Yeah, you're fine. I want to see us blow somebody out and then get our young guys in. Mm -hmm. I think that's important to be aggressive. And to continue on that thought, I think that that is one of the next steps that as a program, state has to take if they want to elevate themselves if you want to right. elevate yourself as a program you know you, you have to have some media attention you just do and that's yeah. that comes from winning sure but it also comes from how you win you know if you're hanging if you're hanging 50 and 60 points every other week you know people start to take notice of that it's fun it's flashy we i think we've talked about that right. before you know people start to take notice now if you get up you know 28 seven and you're you know halfway through the third quarter and you're just kind of just milking the clock milking the clock milking the clock and then all of a sudden you win the game 28 17 you're like eh, okay yeah we got to win and everybody's like okay yeah just as long as there's a w behind it yeah but you're not to, to, to that to this fan base sure you want to elevate the program on a on a in a regional market in a in a you know east coast market and then as on a nationwide market you have to do things that draw the attention of others and smoking and blowing out people. I mean, that draws attention that gets, that gets the eyes of recruits that gets the eyes of commentators, you know, it's, it's flashy and fans, even from other schools, enjoy that. And, you know, it's all a part of the marketing, right? You're mm -hmm. exactly right. I think it's, it's a message we've beaten down over and over again is that, you don't you don't sit on don't sit on leads one mm -hmm. you know you, you play not to win and you lose all right you're playing to lose or you play not to lose and you lose i forgot what that says <laughs> yeah. that whatever you know my point right and it applies to how you're you're perceived right you're interesting oklahoma state got a lot of eyeballs because they were fun offensively they mm -hmm. put up a lot of points oregon got a lot of eyeballs because they were flashy and they put up a lot of points mm -hmm. Carolina got a lot of eyeballs last year because they put up a lot of points. Mm -hmm. They were exciting to watch. People wanted to see them. Yep. That's what we have to do. And I, I, I fully agree. It, it changes everything. If you want to be, if you want to take this to the next level, you have to elevate that part of the game too. And that part of the, the coaching philosophy. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you go back to like the, the, the teams that are now elite. Okay. Let's you know we're, we're, we play Louisiana Tech. Let's just I mean Louisiana Tech they're gonna have you know I think they're gonna have a pretty good team this year. But I'm just using them as an example. Okay, let's say we're up yep. we're up twenty eight seven third quarter. Okay, are we taking our foot off the gas? You know you think you think Alabama's taking their foot off the gas? You think you know Georgia? I, well, Georgia's a bad example, but you go back when these teams were building. You think Clemson's taking their foot off the gas? No, Clemson's hanging fifty. Because they right. want to look good, they want to, they want to show. Right. It, it, there's a difference between winning and dominating. And if you want to elevate your program in a in any market, I don't care what market you're talking about, in any region, in the eyes of anybody, you cannot just simply you know win. You have to dominate people, and that's how you grow your brand, grow yourself, yep. you know everything. In my opinion, you know it's. It's one of the other conversations that was happening a lot today, and David brought it up, is uh, fan attendance, especially late in the game. Mm -hmm. And 
this again plays into it. Absolutely. And I, somebody had Absolutely. made the comment is I don't want to come. Why should I come back in the third quarter? Watch us, you know, go three and out running up the middle or, or whatever, like trying to eat clock and just not be interesting. Mm-hmm. If you were out there scoring points, throwing bombs, you know, doing whatever, yeah. being more aggressive, people would want to be back in the game. They would take, they would take notice. Yeah. So he needs to be that change that he wants to see, right? He needs to push that forward. He needs to take that responsibility of, all right, we want to get more fan engagement. Mm-hmm. We want to get them more passionate and get them more excited. Give me a more exciting product on the field, yeah. right, in that second half. Give me give me something that I want to get back in my seat for. And and I agree. I mean, there's there's a there's a – there's always the concept of sportsmanship, okay? You know, you don't you don't want to necessarily yeah. run it up. But why could you not if you're, you know, you're smoking somebody 35 nothing in the second half or you're up by 35 whatever it is in the second half, put your second string in like what you were getting at and treat it right. now as a practice. You know, it's it's right. it's a it's a practice. Let's let's see what the second string QB can do. You know, and if, if the other team gets their feelings hurt, you know, so be it. Are, are, are we are we going to sit here and say, okay, we're you know it's gamesmanship, it's sportsman, whatever it is. Okay, so are we more concerned about that than elevating our program? Are we more concerned with the other team's feelings than us not going eight and four? Yeah. And if you put in your backups in a situation like that, so like if we are blowing somebody out, we put in our second string mm-hmm. and McLaughlin's in there and, and he's throwing touchdowns. Yeah. The other coach is not, especially in this day and age, the other coach is not going to be salty that you're a bad sportsman mm-hmm. right? or that you're you know, disrespecting me. It's like, dude, I put my backups in and we still score. Yeah. You know, it's your job to stop That's us. That's right. And, again, it's it's part of the perception of the program. And I, I get the way it used to be where you don't want to run it up and you don't want to you know make somebody look bad. But you're not if you're playing your backups, if you're putting in players that you're trying to get more reps. I mean, it's easy. Hey, coach, I was just trying to get these guys more reps. All right. Right. Any reasonable coach is going to be okay with that. Now, if you're playing Scotty Montgomery's ECU and you put (laughs) Garrett Bradbury in in the fourth quarter to, you know, take a fullback dive for a (laughs) touchdown – yeah, and rubbing a little salt in the wound—that's a little bit different, right? right? That's not the same thing, right? That's where you're running it up and you're trying to be an asshole. Yeah, and that's not what we're saying. We're saying put your put your subs in, but keep your foot on the gas, mm-hmm. right? Put some guys, get some more guys, some some PT. Let's see what they can do. Let's you know get more attention. Let's make things more exciting. And that's to me, that's one of the storylines that I want to see is is how do they. Is that coaching philosophy changing at all? And I know it is on the defensive side. Tony Gibson has, has mentioned repeatedly, you know, I love the blitz and I want to make turnovers, uh-huh. right? That's what people want to see, right? They want to see sacks and turnovers. Uh-huh. And nobody wants to see you, you know, I don't know, stuffing, running bare defenses, stuffing, you know, runs up the middle. That's just not how the game is anymore. We want to see some disruption. We want to see some havoc, and I want to. I want to see that on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I believe Gibson does has it. The defensive mentality. I want to see is is Beck 
does he have that same aggress aggression on the offensive side? And does Dave let him or encourage him, or does he have his you know his thumb on the scale a little bit and say, hey, you know, let's let's be good sports here and and not blow out Furman, Furman by forty. Yeah. I, but I mean, even I, I hope. Okay. I'm just saying, even when he's had the opportunity to blow out, you know, other ACC teams, you know, right. I mean, yeah. smoke them. You think, you know, yeah. you think if, if, if Clemson or you know Carolina has an opportunity to smoke us, they're not going to. You know, if, if they have an opportunity, if, if if Clemson's up by 42, Dabo's over there figuring how to get up by 49 quick. You know, and and right. that's that mentality that you have to have. If you want to elevate your program, you know, yeah. you have to have that. It's just, it's a killer instinct. It's a, you know, sorry about your luck. Take this ass whooping. We'll see you next year. You know, yeah. I mean, that that's, that's what it is. And you have to have that yeah. in order to elevate your program. Yeah. The only thing a prevent defense does is prevents you from winning. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what it is. Right. Yeah. Same thing offensively. And, Dave should know this firsthand. I think it's cost him a couple 10-win seasons by being too conservative, mm-hmm. by taking his foot off the gas on those Wake Forest games. Yeah. Right, Those those two games in 2017, 2018, they were 100%. We pulled up too early, and you, you let them hang around, and you let a team that can score quickly in, stay in the game. Right, And you don't do that if you jump on them early and you stay on them. And you can see when it happens. You can almost you, you can right. almost feel it. Like even yeah. just watching it through the TV, you don't even have to be at the game. Yeah, there's a difference between playing to win and there's and, and playing not to lose. And you you right. can see that, and it translates so apparent. And all of a sudden, there's one big play where the momentum shifts, and all of a sudden, it, it, you cannot switch the fl- you cannot flip the switch back from playing not to lose to playing to win just right. like that. It just doesn't work. It you know right. you, you've seen it countless times and and I think I mean to me you know you listen to Dave talk and you listen to his interviews and you watch his demeanor and you know he he does seem you know tough and and you know we're gonna kick your ass and that's just the way it's gonna be but then we get up and it's like okay you know let's 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 no I'll, you know kick their ass keep kicking their ass let's go you know and and that would solve a lot of his problems. With so many, like you said, that I mean, I think it's cost him a couple ten win years. I think mm-hmm. what you were getting at about the fans in the stadium when we're up, you know, it, it, there a lot of that is tied in, and that is one of the the key characteristics that I will take note of is, you know, when we stop beating people by twenty to twenty five, and we start beating them by thirty five to forty five. Right. That's when you're, you're, you're to me, and, and I know that's not a metric that anybody keeps up with or whatever, but that's an indication of a program that's, you know, elevating to me in my eyes. And that's the perfect example is I'm, I'm doing my picks for my pick and pull. I got to pick five games. Mm-hmm. And I saw the line states 18 and a half. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking. I'm thinking we're way better than 18 and a half against a team that went winless last year. You know, they're still breaking in, uh, you know, breaking in their fourth quarterback in four years, even though he's a Carolina transfer. Like I'm, I'm sitting here with all these things. I'm thinking about 18 and a half is a lot (laughs) because how we play, right. That should be a no brainer for us, I think. And that was my thought process today. And I didn't connect it to you where you're just speaking about it, but yeah, we should be crushing them 
so that that is like, oh yeah, it's an e- that's an easy one. That's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's not because of how we play or how we've played in the past. I want to see that change. I agree. I do, I do too. So going back, the other one you said was Julian Gray. Mm-hmm. Now let me let me read you this starting four wide receivers for 2022. Assuming Thayer leaves and Amezi leaves. That gives you Julian Gray, Porter Rooks. Devin Carter and Anthony Smith. I'm assuming Anthony Smith's going to take that job. The fourth wide receiver there. That's a damn good wide receiver crew. That's a lot more speed than we've had historically. Mm-hmm. And I am really excited about Porter Rooks and Julian Gray together. Like that combo right there seems that seems like a really good one too. <clears throat> Rooks is special. Um, he, he's very and and I mean you know all, each one of them is going to do something different. And kind of bring a different skill set to the table, and you know, you go back to you go back to like Russell Wilson days. You know, he had Owen Spencer was a speedster, and Jarvis Williams was a jump ball guy. You know, and, and you used them at different times. And you had you know Daryl Davis. Um, you know, he was kind of almost like a combination of both. But to me, when you have different players who can perform in different ways and are, are good at different things, you know, it makes you, obviously it makes you more dynamic, but it makes you harder to defend. And, and, <clears throat> you know, you think about, uh, you know, the, 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 the better teams, they, they have a, they have two, you know, one or two jump ball guys. They have one or two little, you know, little slot guys that are just quick and shifty and, and nimble. And then, you know, they've got the streakers going down the sideline too. You know, and, and when you can have multiple threats like that with multiple, <clears throat> excuse me, with multiple uh, aspects and advantages in their game, it just makes you so much more dynamic and so much yeah. more, you know, tougher to, to cover and to, to keep in front of you. And um, the other one that uh, Dave has mentioned and a couple, couple sites have mentioned has performed really well in the the fall practices has been key on the same. And he's a guy that I've been high on since he got here because I thought he had the skills to really be a playmaker. I thought he had the speed and the, the elusiveness to really shine. And he hadn't yet. And I guess, you know, maybe he was young and the game hadn't clicked, but he's, I was kind of surprised to see or to hear his name mentioned so often. And I thought maybe it's a bit of lip service, and then I'm watching Wolfpack 1 this morning, which the first episode just came out. And they're showing the practice highlights or the, the scrimmage they had. And Keanu saying was everywhere, man. He was doing everything. And so I'm curious how they're gonna they're gonna work him in. But this that's a lot of speed there. I mean, he's still a redshirt sophomore yeah. or COVID sophomore. I'm not sure. He's he's pretty young. And I'm curious how he's gonna work in this year. Just given on given on how much you know love he's got so far this fall, yeah, It'll be interesting. And see, so like to me, just thinking back to you know years past when when or two years ago when when he was getting some getting more minutes than I think he got last year. I think last year they had I don't have the stats in front of me, but what four or five catches or something like that. I mean, it, it, he was not oft, oft, right. often utilized, but to me, Keon the same screams kick returner. Screams kickoff. Yeah, return. they used him one. 
they used him once, uh, and I don't know if he muffed yeah, it or yeah. he took his eye off yeah, it. I remember that. And they pulled, <laughs> pulled him out real, real yeah. quick. I think Jordan Houston screams kick returner too. I think mm-hmm. he's uh, he's a guy that I think could, could excel there. But yeah, Keon the same. He's just one of those guys that I think yeah he's he's a sophomore. I'm pulling up his stats right now, and he's just one of those guys that I think if you get the chance. Can have an impact. Yeah, but I mean, and, in order for him to get a chance, who who are you putting on the bench? You know, who who who's he subbing in for? Wow, that's the thing. That's yeah, that's the thing. Like, what is this rotation going to yeah. look like? And that's not a, that's not do? a knock on Lassane. I mean, it, to me, it's I mean, right. you know, it's a compliment to the other guys. Uh, Lassane's got to make the most out of his time on the mm-hmm. field. All right, I think. Let's see. Yeah, his best game was Kentucky. Went two for tw- he had two for twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, he had three catches three, last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. I, he's he's got to make the most of his time on the field. I think they're gonna they'll probably utilize him in motions and in jets and probably some other other areas outside of just a slot. But if he can, if he can make a play and make somebody miss, I, I think I, I'm still excited about his potential. Mm-hmm. My my Keon Lassane enthusiasm has been renewed. It was waning after last year, <laughs> but it's back. It's back. Yeah. They've, they've sucked me back in. Yeah, I would, I would like to uh, shout out Will here um, about his boy, Chris Scott Jr. Um, yeah. You know, T's and P's, man. Thinking about you there. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to that open practice the other day. I took my kids, and it wasn't much to it. It was a glorified walkthrough, yeah. but it was fun seeing uh, – you know, see how many fans showed up, being back in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, one of the things we noticed was Chris Scott Jr. was on crutches. I don't know what the status is. There's no depth chart released this week because it's a non-conference game. But he was clearly not playing. And the other one that I saw was, and we didn't even mention, we're talking about the future of wide receivers, Michael mm-hmm. Crowell. He looked jacked <laughs> in – Somebody made the analogy. I was like, he looks like a running back. And somebody in the pod chat made an analogy. Hey, he looks like David Boston. When Dave Boston was at Ohio State, and he just looked like he was just so thick, but he was fast. He was just such a good wide receiver. Crowell's got that same build. Are we talking like – I I wasn't there. Are we talking like DK Metcalf thick? Are we talking like, I mean, just – No, like – He's not he's not big and tall like mm-hmm. that, but just like ripped. Okay. I, I think I I think I put a picture in the chat and then I put one on the site uh, the other day. He like just just ripped yeah. man. He just looked like he was just well he was cut well mm-hmm. together and I just that's another one man. Like if he lives up to his potential, if he gets back from his injury and you know he's in as effective as they think he can be. Yeah. But you put him in that rotation, man. I feel like there's a lot of weapons, and that just emphasizes to me, hey, they need to go harder with, you know, being more aggressive, scoring more points, getting more guys on the field, keeping everybody fresh. That's what I'm interested to see. Yeah, that, that depth is special, you know, and I think that it's, it's going to serve well. And and now's now's the time, you know. To me, to me, this is the year to. Turn turn it loose, you know. Turn it loose. You've yeah. got the depth. Should somebody get hurt, you know, barring, of course, you know, Leary going down, 
Um, you know, but, but other than that, turn it loose, you know, and, and just let the chips fall where they may. Here, I'll share my, I'll share my screen. See if you can see this. So I don't know if you can see this. 22 is Crowell. Oh yeah, I can see Did it. Show it for yeah, you? I can see it's yeah, it's yeah. small on my screen, but I can see it. Yeah, yeah, Golly. my man is ripped. Freshman yeah, coming in like ripped. that. Wow. Yeah, and that's Chris Scott next to <laughs> <But> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that's uh, that's quite the difference. Yeah, big time. I think that's uh, there's a lot of a lot of excitement. We're, we're getting we're getting enough players. We're getting the players that I think we might have. We hadn't had enough of. Yeah, before. and I mean, it, and it's translating too. You know, <clears throat> you yeah. think about to me, and and some people would disagree. It would not surprise me. This is going to be a bold statement here. It would not surprise me for state to have more players drafted than any other school in the ACC next year. It would not That's surprise me. Excuse me, not like not next year. Like the the, the uh, with the players that are this coming with draft, the players yeah. that are currently on this team as they become as they all become oh, yeah, draft yeah. eligible. You know, you look at state's twenty twenty one football team have them have the most players drafted out of you know all the ACC schools. Um, you know, and and I just I think you've got talent, and I think you've got talented depth as well. You know. I mean, th- you, hmm. you think about it. Like, who? Okay, so who, who's your who's your uh, who's your first string defensive line? First string defensive line, uh, Savian Jackson, mm-hmm. C.J. Clark, Terrell Dawkins, and that's probably probably not what's going to be. It's probably going to be uh, Savian, Corey Durden, and. Daniel Joseph. All right. So, but I would go Jackson, Clark, and Dawkins. Okay. Which one of those is not getting drafted when they when they, when they're when they're coming out? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like they all they all should. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, so okay. So so based based off of just you know recent history, Joseph m- m- maybe not, but there's a lot of hype on him. He got drafted in the CFL last year. You know, there's a lot. I think he's a late round pick. Then you got Savion Jackson. Um, you know, and, and he's come, the word is he's coming on, coming on, coming on, and you know, that's another possible late round pick. I think Durden could be. You know, he could be very, very special. And I think that C.J. Clark is going to turn some heads this year, and I think he's going to position himself very nicely. Um, going into next year, and I, you know, Dawkins right. is a is a freshman, and I think what he was like second in the ACC last year as far as like freshman, you know, sack numbers, and you know, or it might have been first, I can't remember, but I mean, he's up there, and you know, where's he gonna, you know, all these guys are of, of potential to be drafted, and that's just your D line, you know, you're, you're talking five six guys off your D line there. And you know, you go linebackers. All three starting linebackers have the opportunity. I think Drake may be a very, very late round pick just simply because of his size. You know, a, a lot of different players at a lot of different positions 
are going to be, you know, ha- have, have opportunities, especially during their money years to, to really, you know, take off. And I think that is a credit to Doran and this program. And I, and, you know, I give kudos where it's due with that. He gets the players in. They're not as flashy. It doesn't pop up on everybody's phone from ESPN that, you know, Dave Doran just landed this five star, four star, whatever. But he gets his, his, he gets his guys in here. He, you know, they put them through the player development and look at what, you know, look at what it's turned out to be. So, you know, you got to give him credit for that, in my opinion. Yeah, they'll work well at Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we'll put, I was trying to find this list of guys that will likely play professionally that right, will that, put that's together. That's what we, you and I were talking about before the pod. You know, I was thinking that, and then we'll just happen yeah. to post that. Yeah. Icky. Grant Gibson, Zavala, Knight, Person, Amezi, Daniel Joseph, Corey Durden, Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, Derek Pitts, Tanner Engel. The that is twelve. That is twelve, and I could argue that you could probably put Tyler Baker Williams on that list. Is that just twelve upperclassmen right there? And, yeah, yeah. For that's for this, this coming, coming year. Yeah. Right, that, that's for this coming year that could the guys that could leave. Yeah. And you could argue that you put Thayer Thomas on that list. Uh-huh. I think Thayer's got a lot of upside. He's got that he's got those the traits that a lot of NFL teams desire in their little white guy wide receiver. And yeah, I mean that's that's twelve potential draft picks on this team. Yeah, that's another reason why I'm pretty yeah. excited on this. And that's just the upper class. Mm-hmm. I think there's plenty of depth below them that will have a shot at the NFL in, the, in a few years. I agree. Man, that's a big list. But that's <laughs> to me, that also emphasizes why I think this year is so mm-hmm. important and why I think they really Dave really has to capitalize on this, really get that momentum going and show that this is a program in the state that you need to be talking about. Yeah. And I mean, now, <clears throat> you know, now's the opportunity to, to squash, squash the bug that everybody's loving on, you know, congratulations on your seven wins two years ago and your eight wins last year, you know, but like, <laughs> you know, it, it just, now's the, opp- now's, now's the time, now's the time. And here lately, NC state athletics, Shout out Boo Corrigan has not struck while the iron is hot, you know. Um, right. And so now, now is Dave's chance, and um, you know, I, I think I think this is the year that that there's a lot of luck in in all sports, obviously. But should a couple things bounce our way, you know, I, I think this year could be very, very, very special. Yeah, the one, the one other non-state storyline that I'm interested in that kind of popped up, and this is really off the radar, but Presbyterian hired my man Kevin Kelly. And I don't know if you followed Kevin Kelly, but he's somebody I've followed since the high mm-hmm. school ranks because he's one that is kind of innovating. Hey, I don't believe in punting. He onside kicks it every time. He is very analytics based in going on, um, you know, basing his coaching on 
the numbers and the odds of making positive plays. And he's at Presbyterian this year. They took a gamble and hired him. And I'm really <laughs> curious to see how that how that team plays. And I think that is going to be I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's probably going to be a storyline at some point when he starts on Yeah, can you kicking. pull up their schedule? Do they have an ACC team on their schedule? Ooh, you know, normally normally they question. pop up and play like a Georgia Tech or something like that. I can't even spell it. Google better fix that for me. There we go. Presbyterian football schedule. Don't tell me they, they play like Alabama. You're onside kicking yeah. Alabama or something like that. Now they open versus St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. No idea who that is. Fort Lauderdale. At Campbell. Uh-huh. So that's close. Dayton. Moorhead State. Davidson. San Diego. Damn. Stetson. Valpo. Marist. St. No, Thomas. No. So no they don't power. have. They've got a couple regional games, but I might go to that game <laughs> just to see it. <laughs> just to watch. Now we play that night. Dang. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. That's just one of those games that I'm just or teams that I'm. Again, weird college mm-hmm. football storylines. But that's why this is like. The, I mean, you know, the, the the everybody was talking about it in the chat, and you know, looking forward to Saturday, and now we're looking forward to Thursday, and. You know, it's it's a special time of year when uh, when everything starts getting hyped up about football. That's for sure. So who did your? So we did our ACC fantasy draft. Oh god, dude! I had some night. stuff come up, and I like because I, I was I was geared up for it, and I was like, all right, you know, I'm not. I will say I'm not a huge fantasy uh, football guy. I just I've done it before. I go like three weeks. People start sending me trades and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, man, I don't know. And, you know, I end up donating my 10 bucks to the cause or whatever. And so la- last night some stuff kind of came up, and I ended up just slip- – it slipped my mind right. And then I, I remembered it like 10, 15. I logged <laughs> on, and I was like, who's my qu- – I just need to see who my quarterback is. My starting quarterback is Garrett Schrader, the second-string QB from Syracuse. I was like, <laughs> good God. You know, hey, I, I – could have got Hockman or somebody. Shout out one time for the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's funny, like out outside. Like I, I was telling in the chat last night, we should have done this starting week five because I don't know half yeah. of these guys. I had more less than half of these guys because we did ACC schools and interesting teams. So Middle Tennessee State, mm-hmm. uh, ECU, Charlotte, Liberty. But even ACC schools, I'm like, I have no idea who Florida State's wide receivers I, are. I'm like, who? I, I know there's a couple of them. I can and tell you I their names. One player on my team, but I don't know if who's starting. One, one player by name, <laughs> and that was Josh Downs, and that was just because State recruited him. That's it. That's the only player I knew by name on my team. Yeah, I really don't know many people. I'm looking at your roster right now. I, don't, I know the Notre Dame running back and Josh Downs. Oh, that's right. That's right. Kicker. The Notre Dame running back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, other than that, that's it, man. And I, I, I actually let uh, Schrader go last night, and I tried to pick up Tommy DeVito, so I traded out Syracuse's second string for their first string for uh, for week one. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it's, that was really hard. To, that was really hard to do. And I got a feeling like everybody's teams are going to be drastically <laughs> different. You know, two weeks from now. Yeah, somebody. I got a notification. I, I don't. And like I said, I don't know how it all works, but. I got a notification at some point that somebody was trying to trade me uh, Malik Cunningham, I think. And I was like, yeah, what do you want? 
you know, I'll give you air. I'll give you every player I got for <laughs> for somebody I know the name of here. So, yeah, I I got a bunch of I don't guys I have no idea. I have some Clemson, Clemson guys that I recognize: Thayer Thomas, Derek King, but. My running backs. I got some Charlotte guy transferred from <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> I got some freshman at Notre Dame. Yeah, like, and ah, all right. Oh, let me see here. here. My uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know we have all these ACC defenses and whatnot. My uh, which I don't know. This might end up being kind of good. My defense special teams is Coastal Carolina. <laughs> so yeah, nice. <laughs> I got Wake Forest because they match up against Old Dominion in Week One. I uh, saw so it. I saw that. I was like, oh, I'm yeah. going to pick Wake. And they were my last pick. Good time. Yeah. I didn't pick any heels. Still yeah. by my principal. I, I did pick up. I did pick Bailey Hockman. I was disappointing that uh, James Henderson passed up t- multiple opportunities to draft James, to draft his boy, Bailey Hockman. He is, oh, is he in the, is yeah. he in the uh, fantasy draft? Or, or in the fantasy? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. I, and he passed up multiple pass bys on, on his boy I Hockman? I know it. Mm. Yeah, I was trying to draft Will Shipley just to keep him on the bench. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. and just that was going to be my my penance for for Shipley. But I got Jemai Griffin <laughs> as my and keep him on the bench. <laughs> just yeah, you take that. Yeah, that's you take right. That. You stay on the bench where you belong. But well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's there's going to be some more storylines that I, you know, I'm curious to see how they come, how it comes through. I will say that it's going to be interesting to see how the fans react to being uh-huh. in the stadium. And yesterday, at, or was it yesterday, Saturday at the open practice, everybody was like staying uh-huh. away from one another. But you're not going to be able to do that with 60,000 people in yeah. the stadium. So well, I'm curious. I, I kind of do wonder about like who all or, or how many people are going to show up. You know, not, not just – just, just from yeah. a pure, not from a lack of interest or because they don't want to, but just from a pure safety standpoint, you know, somebody just, just for, just from a pure safety aspect of it, um, you know, people might be avoiding the game for whatever reason, and you know, I just, uh, I think it's going to be really, really good for our players, though. I, I, you know, running out of that tunnel, yeah, I really do. And that's what Dave said at the open practice. I just wanted the players to see what having fans in the stands yeah. was like again, right? Just because they hadn't done it. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was interesting. Oh, yeah. I want to play this call. Um, so we got a, a message after last week's. It was an interesting idea. So listen right. to this and let me know what you think. So that was to me. That's a great idea. It's something I think we might have mentioned in passing before, but he was referring to the ACC, Big Twelve, Pac Ten, Pac Twelve, whatever they are doing that. Doing that alliance, and I, I always I love the relegation aspect of 
the Premier League or whatever it is. I'm not a soccer guy, but I know how that works. You don't win it. You get relegated into the lower league. You got to win the lower league to get back up into the regular. Like, I love that. And I would love to see Duke football relegated <laughs> somewhere else or, you know, just just some of these schools. Just get them out of here. Let's, let's, there's got to be a way to implement that. And I know the, you know, relegate Duke to the Sun Belt yeah. or something like that. Bring up Coastal and, you know, just, there's got to be a way to make that work. But I, I don't. Somebody smarter than me will have to figure that out. But I thought it was a great idea. I thought it was an interesting point of uh, it discussion. Is. Should we have relegation? Uh, I mean, I don't. Yeah, that that would be that would be something. I mean, gives you something different to play for, you know. And so, so in that league, are you are you allowed to uh, in this hypothetical league? Do you only play those teams in your tier, or is I there think, one crossover? <laughs> with, I think there is a crossover with with relegation, and one of you soccer fans, please correct us. But I do believe they play up occasionally. I'm not sure if it's one mm-hmm. or multiple, but yeah, you can you play the other teams, but you can't like win the win the natty if you're in the, in the C lower. League. Yeah, yeah. So is it league. is it like the winner of the D league gets think, promoted to the C, and the last place of the C gets down to the D? Is that how it kind of works? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think that's pretty yeah. much how it works. Funny story. But yeah. fascinating. But no, uh, this past weekend I was at a wedding and um, uh, was, I was actually there. Uh, my my girlfriend was a was a Duke cheerleader. Um, so I got a shout out to her. And uh, we were there at this wedding this past weekend as a bunch of former Duke football players, and uh, we're just kind of you know talking to them and everything, and just kind of you know, getting to, getting to know them and just hearing their stories and everything. And, um, just, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about, you know, Duke and football. It, it really is. Um, you know, but just hearing some of their old stories to, and talking about Ted roof. Oh man. Yeah. It was, uh, it's, it's not for the, not for the airways. I won't say, <laughs> but it was, it was some good stuff. Evidently he's, he's a really cool guy. And, um, you know, it was, just, it was just a cool experience to sit there and hang out with you know guys who are a lot smarter than I'll be and played also played football you know against Rivers and and uh, you know back in back in those days and stuff. Hearing some of their stories, it was cool. I love I, the policy for this podcast is that we don't interview <laughs> interview players, and I've, I've debated changing that, but it's it's the truth because all they yeah. give you is coach speak, and it's mm-hmm. just not interesting. To, to listen to like I don't think anybody really wants to listen to it but former players after they've mm-hmm. been gone for a little while are the best because they have some good stories if you connect with the right personality they have some really good stories and so I want to start doing more of those I like reach out to former yeah. players and bring them in and just have had those conversations just, I just there, there's one there, there's one that this. I'm really surprised uh, IPS hadn't got on theirs on their podcast a lot a lot more often is a uh, Kalani heavy, you know, some of the, some of the things he throws out. Oh yeah. Man. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. Was, he's really entertaining. His, 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 uh, audio connection is terrible. So they had to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, did, but, did they try to get him on a pod? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, they had oh, him on okay. one time and it sounded like he was constantly driving through a tunnel, <laughs> which, Again, I love James, but he's not the the best with the technology yeah. in that regard. 
<laughs> but pin him down in front of a computer, and I bet you Kalani would have some really yeah. interesting stories. And I bet you some other guys out there that that would do it too. So I need to I need to connect more with with some of those guys. I've had some reach out and and whatnot, but most of the time these guys just want to you know they they, they the current players really just give you coach speak right, right. You know, and i mean the, that's what you know they they're, they're not going to rock the boat they're, they're, it's not, not at this time but, but like you were talking about it's always good yeah. to hear somebody talk back you know or, you know like uh who was it Gilio and Ovi's did that thing on Russell Wilson and they were interviewing Mike Glennon and all these other people and you know, listening to their stories about how O'Brien was handling the Wilson Glennon saga and all that, you know, they were kind of letting some things fly. Um, you know, when when they were when they were doing that, those former players. So yeah, like you were saying, it's interesting. Huh. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I never listened to yeah. that. I just kind of, I don't know. Between those two, yeah, I, got, I got some long drives. That to dead work, horse, man, so I got to throw that time some type of way. And, really uh, super interested in. It was, it was. I mean, it was good. It was good information. It was. It kind of cleared up some of the questions, <laughs> I, you know. But other, <laughs> other than, or sorry, other than the, you know, dealing with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. I think that's mostly everything I got on my storylines. But uh, we'll have a bunch of stuff going on this week. We'll have some more pause, some USF guys. Uh, probably do another one with Will if I can pin him down before the game. But as always, check out the site, redwhitenetwork.com. There's a bunch of stuff going up. And I had something else I wanted to say on the outro, and I forgot. But Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Go Pack. As always, Go Pack. Thanks for listening. Zach, thanks for joining me. That's right. I was raised by the waves. I was raised by the waves. I was raised by the waves.